0: Hi, this is Ken Navarro, and welcome to my podcast, All About The Music. Today, we're gonna speak with the only other musician besides myself who played on my brand new album, Love Is Everywhere. His name is Bruce Guttridge, and we're listening to his playing right now on one of the songs from my new album. This song is called The View From Here. Bruce and I have worked together over the years, going all the way back to 1995. We've done many, many concerts together, and he's worked with me in the recording studio on many of my songs. Now, Bruce has worked with a lot of people, including the great jazz fusion bassist Jeff Berlin, the wonderful blues and country guitarist Johnny Highland, as well as country star, singer-songwriter Clay Walker. Over the years, Bruce has become one of my favorite drummers and also a good friend. He and I are going to talk about all of the songs he played on on my new album and much more. Before we talk about the, the new record and the, the, your contribution, um, I did in the introduction talk a little bit about um, your background and, and our history. Um, but I wanted to just kind of catch up people who listen to the podcast with With some of the things you've been doing since we last talked over three years ago, one of the things you've been doing is working with the iconic fusion bassist, Jeff Berlin, quite a bit on recording and
1: touring. Are you currently doing um, any work with him right now? Well, I believe Jeff is just coming back. Thanks, Ken. I believe he's coming back from um, uh, South America uh, and Europe. He was doing a lot of um, 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 some bass clinics over there. it's gotten very difficult to, uh, for jazz musicians to, uh, uh, I don't want to say to make a living, but to, but to tour and to afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so he's, um, uh, I think to a degree relying on some of the companies, uh, that he endorses, uh, to help, um, uh, to help him with his tours over there. Uh, when he's back in town here in Nashville, uh, we end up, um, playing together, uh, yeah. often at, uh, at some of the jazz clubs and, um. And he would like to um, he would like to tour more in the United States. Um, although, of course, like what I say, it's it's difficult as a jazz musician to, to tour in the United States. Uh, it just um, um, putting the numbers together uh, c- can make it difficult. But uh, oh, yeah. but I I must say he is um, um, uh, he just keeps going and going with uh, with his mastery of the instrument. Um, and and I love playing with him. It's it's exciting to play with Jeff. He's a he gives there's a lot of freedom um, with Jeff. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of listening and a lot of freedom uh, playing with him. So I, I enjoy that.
0: Yeah, you guys are a great match. Really, such a you know a, 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 as I say, perfect match was right there under under his nose in Nashville. And I should mention, I already did in the intro, but you're in Nashville, uh, and because of that, you really have quite an eclectic group of people that you play with. You know, another person you play with who I find to be just an amazing guitarist is Johnny Highland. Check him out on YouTube and you can hear Bruce playing with him uh on YouTube. That's another completely different stylistic thing but another match and perfect match um of how you handle his and that's a trio pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. correct.
1: Now, mm-hmm. um uh, Johnny, I did a number of records with Johnny and, and, and a lot of, uh, well, I did all his, all his dates, uh, while he was here in Nashville, he's, he's mm-hmm. moved back to Virginia. Oh, um, he, oh, wow. Yeah. He's moved back to Virginia, but he, um, um, boy, oh boy. Well, you're right. One of the greatest chicken pickers on the planet. And it was all country. You know, Ken, since I've been here in Nashville, uh, for quite some time now, I just, uh, um, I, I just feel blessed that I've been, been, um, um, given the opportunity to play so many, uh, so many more different styles, many different genres of music down here. Um, um, and I, I just, I just love country music, the older country music. Um, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, captivated by it, uh, um, and, um, understanding and learning how to play, um. Or just becoming that much more uh, sensitive to the songwriter, uh, right? To what they're
0: what they're looking for. Well, when you first got to Nashville, right. what year was that, Bruce? Uh, Two thousand ten. Wow. So what what was the transition like for you coming from you know a north northeastern metropolitan area like DC? And you were, I mean, I'm not sure exactly where you were at musically in 2010. I know where you were around 2000, but I'm imagining that was really
1: quite a transition. It was very much a... Yeah, it was very much a transition. I mean, look, to be honest, um, there was... A, I had a lot of attitude, let's say, when I came down here about uh, about my abilities. And, um, and this town, Nashville, like it does with so many others, uh, it humbled me. It didn't humble mm-hmm. me in the way that, um, you know, oh, I, there was... Um, all these great technical or uh, drummers down here that had let's say more chops than i but in that regard it was that a lot of my um a lot of my thought about music was in just my abilities and my chops and what i had as a drummer no the there were, i i met many musicians and drummers down here that had um maybe not the quite the chops I had but they had the discipline and the sensitivity to um, um to to the songwriter and they uh, and they understood that and that um that really you know I hate to say it but it took me um uh, several years to 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 really acknowledge and then I was able to um I was like um Uh, uh, a clear palette almost in my in my thinking about music and I was able to 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 just take in uh, a new way of thinking and approaching my instrument and approaching music in general Um, and uh, I I've I'm so grateful for for that experience for being down here Um, I, I I just feel I'm a much better player
0: yeah, no, that's a big, big change. It it's also represents a lot of growth as just a, as a human being, you know, to be able to to see where where you could be better, you know. And some of it's being humbled, I think, and some of it's just, rec- I, I don't know, it's almost like a finishing school. You know, you have all that other stuff happening. I think you were way above the pack in general. And so it sounds like what you're really saying is it was learning how to harness that.
1: That's and how exactly to, right. You yeah, know, yeah. and
0: how to take your musicality to the next place, not your not your proficiency at the drums, because that was unquestionable twenty years earlier uh, when we were working together all the time. But yeah, that's something that I mean. I think just about every major music city does that to <laughs> to a musician. New York, Nashville, L.A. I'm not sure if there's any others we should mention. I think they for one thing, I just remember when I lived in L.A., there were so many people. Within a stone's throw of whatever studio you were in, who could do the job? So it was a little hard to have attitude because they, you just knew. Well, I could vanish tomorrow, and nothing would change around here. Yeah. You know, life would go on without me. Um, and so, how do I find my place in in this situation? Which is what I'm, you know, imagine you felt in 2010. But, yeah. but you, you have, and I mean, and you've also played with some, some pretty well-known country artists, too. Who was yeah. it that you went out on the road with? Um, yeah, um, uh,
1: a, 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 a fellow named, an artist named Clay Walker. I, I, mm, I, I toured mm-hmm. with him for, for an entire year, and um, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I, I learned yeah. so much from that as well. I mean, I really learned. Everything down here has been, well... Um, you know, the learning experience that I've gotten down here, which involves music, I can also, um, look at that as, um, uh, just maturing on my own, just as a, as a man, as a person, you know, right. um, without getting too, um, uh, spiritual or anything here. It's all, it's all been, um. It's all been so good for me, I think. Um, it's just been a, a, a big maturing process. Not that, not that I was, well, maybe I was some arrogant, immature kid back East. I don't know. But uh, I don't think so. But, but down here, but I, it's, I guess maybe that's just, um, music is just that big a part of my life, your life as well. But um, um, as I learned through uh, music, I also learned through um, uh, to to be a, a better person.
0: Yeah. Better well, yeah. the whole thing of jazz. I mean, and when I use the word jazz, I guess I really should say improvisational music. Like obviously, the stuff you do with Jeff Berlin is one, you know, uh, end of the spectrum probably. Uh, and this, but nevertheless, the stuff with with Johnny Highland it's still improvisational. It may be in some ways less wide open than than a Jeff Berlin gig, but there's still that input that happens where you're listening to everybody else and you're reacting to everybody else. And if you're not sensitive to what's going on, especially in a trio like that, um, it shows right away, you know, because it's like it's like a conversation of three people where one person clearly isn't paying attention anymore and yeah. just nodding that nodding their head, you know. Uh, what well, a great
1: That's a, such a great point, Ken. You know, that's exactly right, because improv when you uh, to improvise, I mean, even if I was to play a static beat just right. keeping the tempo, I'm still improvising in how I make that beat feel that, exactly And if I, yeah. if I'm that sensitive to the music as I should be, then um, uh, then it's improv all the way even to that degree. Oh I, I know exactly what you mean. What what we're
0: talking about? I mean, we're not classical musicians. We even when we are playing what to us is like a tried and true thing that we know is functioning the way it should in the in the musical situation we're in at the moment. We're always improvising. We're always changing up little things. Just the way that you hit the snare drum can That's change, right. you know. And so we're we're not um, playing off of music except as a guide when we even do that you know and that that's something not everybody realizes you know the the average listener doesn't realize when i was working on this new album uh, love is everywhere i i just i didn't really know exactly how it was going to evolve i thought i was just going to release singles and then little by little i went oh okay this is turning into an album and i can see how this would all go together um But that meant that the music had come a long way in the arrangements without any other players because I just kept working on it and working on it. Um, But there were four songs where I just knew that you, not anybody, not a drummer, but you could add something that was not going to be there um, if I did it myself or if I just brought in... You know, a, a player who was who could who could do the work. I was looking always. I'm looking for somebody to put a creative stamp on it and their own personality on it, which you do really well. Yet at the same time, you're all like you were just talking about. You're always very sensitive to what what's what's the producer want? What does the song want? Uh, what is the what is the artist doing on this song? How can I make it better? Um, and the first one of those was the opening track, which is called "A Little Kiss." And this was one where I purposely, I, I, there I could have hired certain drummers who would have been the logical person to plug into the, it, into the song. But I wanted something a little different. And that was, I was trying to get kind of an old throwback to what I guess we used to call Blue-Eyed Soul. You know, some of the Doobie Brothers grooves and Hall and Oates and things like that. And I and I that was my only guidance that I think I gave to you, but you you knew exactly what I was talking about. And then you you delivered a track that right off the bat was was basically coming right out of that place. And um, I'm wondering, you know, in terms of how you 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 conceived the part and then how how you decided ultimately the, the, the choice of snare drum, the choice of what you were going for with the overall sound of the way you recorded the drums. I'm curious as to how, was that something that you had to labor over or was it something you pretty quickly knew what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, well, um, my laboring uh, is, um, can be throttled a bit by uh, the amount of drums that I have. I have about 12, uh, 12 good snare drums um and so it's not that difficult to choose um one or two that would be uh in the ballpark of what i want to want to hear um there's other drummers that are that are choosing from 40 to 50 to to some even a hundred snare drums but um but you know but you know ken it's um well i know you know this but um it's so much how you how you approach it how you play it you know um Uh, how you how you hit the drum um i don't want to say that you can almost make any drum sound good but i wanted something that um um i like snare drums that are articulate um and um uh, where my ghost notes and and the little nuances that i might play um are going to be um um replicated on on on, on the yeah, tape you're going to actually hear them in a mix you could yeah, hear it in a yeah. mix yeah so it's not that difficult as long as it doesn't have some um you know uh, some boing or something which is uh, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. obviously uh not going to work uh, um, i'll go ahead and use that and i think we did go through maybe two or three and you you ultimately uh decided on um Um, but you gave me some choices yeah which one which ones that you wanted yeah
0: And that worked really well. I mean, that that snare drum sound is special. Uh, I it it it's it it it. I think a snare drum. People don't realize that the average listener doesn't realize they're hearing the snare drum probably as much or more than anything else in in a lot of songs because it's every t- two two times every bar, yeah. <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and so it really matters. It sets it sets a tone, um, and I think sound changes the way things emotionally hit hit you and I don't want to overstate it but um, the fact that you gave me those choices was really nice and and I could just sort of sit back and and decide which one which one was the one you know yeah, um, yeah. and in terms of the playing on it I mean that what that's a groove song I mean it's really about a pocket right and um, And it's a very composed song i mean there's places where um um improvising but it's it's you know it's a it's a song um with a hook and and uh uh, there were there were a bunch of moments also where we really debated where the crash symbols should go yeah because suddenly every crash you notice right 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 um what was that i mean did, did you go through a similar process selecting crash symbols or did you know right away oh this is this is what is going to work on this
1: well i'll tell you what if i would have shown you the crash symbols that i used you might have um you might have uh, not wanted them but most of the crash symbols that i use um have uh either a small crack or a rather large crack out of them Mm-hmm. And I've got to tell you that when I record with these cymbals, the crashes at least they open up very quick, they decay they decay rather quickly, and, um, and they're and they're just right. It's just what I want. It's not they're not so much of an effect, but mm-hmm. um, um, I, I'm you know I I found that cymbals um, that sort of come in and go and uh, are are. Are are what to use. They just work the best. Um, Oh, for
0: uh, for recording, I totally agree that decay element especially. Yeah, because that can really you, when you you don't think about it until you're mixing. And then you realize there's something that's getting in the way for yeah. much longer because the crash symbol is really a moment of excitement.' You know, that's it's right. like a, that's it's right. an exclamation point. I, explain to, to, to me and, and also a, a, an average listener what that crack does uh, and, and how that affects um, the symbol and, right and, and the sound that it produces.
1: Sure. well, there's you know the symbol uh, the, the is lathed. Meaning that there is a, um, um, uh, it, it's put on a machine and it and it has grooves in it, mm-hmm. which um, um, which go around the symbol in a circle and there's many 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 grooves all the way up to the bell of the symbol, and what those grooves do is elongate or sustain the metal. Um, oh, uh, uh, yeah. to to ring longer, to give it that long ring. If it didn't have that, it would simply just be a dead piece of metal, which would go shump, and that's wow. it. But wow. with I that lathing, that. that lathing process allows the symbol to sustain. So, if there's an interruption in um some of those outer bands of the, or outer circles in the outer band of the symbol, that will. Uh, begin to uh, shorten uh, the decay of the symbol. Right, right. Oh, that I never
0: knew that. And yeah. and you, it's funny. You're in a unique position to explain that, not only as a drummer and somebody recording drums, but because you know a fair amount about mechanical things and engineering in in general.
1: Um, I wonder how many drummers. Could express it that way. Well, I don't know if I don't know if they'd be able to express it that way. But I'll tell you this: the symbol manufacturers have gotten hip to that idea, and right, so what they've right. done is come out with symbols that have holes in them that are all different. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know. Nice-looking ways of interrupting those um, um, (laughs) the 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 rings on the symbol, the the lathing process, and they sell them as um, they have the you know custom you know custom different you know effects they call them crashes, and they're very very popular, and they end up costing more uh, it seems than uh, than just a regular symbol, and all you need to do is just um, well basically. Buy a brand new symbol, beat the hell out of it till it cracks, and then you've got a, a, a much more expensive symbol that you're
0: using. Is, <laughs> is that is that how most of your symbols became that way?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, just over time, it'll it'll eventually crack. Right. Um, right. Or I also asked some of my drummer friends here in Nashville. It's like, hey, if you got any cracked symbols mm-hmm. and you don't want to use mm-hmm. them, you know, mm-hmm. send them my way. So.
0: Wow! Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, people are going to love hearing that. I and I—that's news to me, frankly. I did not realize that. I've seen them, of course, uh, and never really completely understood what what the bigger picture. You know. Yeah. Now a a a completely different kind of song that was a no brainer for me to ask you to play on. I I didn't debate it at all. Um, Was a song called "The View from Here." Oh, yeah. And this was this was one where I just was like, this is such a difficult drum part because I had in the demo, I had a drum part. and and but I I felt like, well, it's one thing to have somebody play this. And in a way, what's the point? I've already got that in a in a in a virtual instrument that's very believable. But what isn't happening is any kind of creative input. It's just this complex, uh, somewhat busy groove that I've created. But what I, I thought to myself, well, what Bruce can do with this is once he gets comfortable with it, he's going to be creative with it. He's going to bring some things that I would never have thought of and would, would, there'll be an energy that comes from it that, that honestly, and I'm not, just saying this because we're talking, but that I I couldn't think of anybody else who could really do that and bring the creative um, energy to it that the song really needed. So when you first heard that, um, did you think, well, <laughs> why why do I have to why do I have to struggle to get this thing down? I mean, this is if I'd known how how hard this might be, I would have asked for more money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's on that Ken that's that's really nice sure. that uh, yeah. uh, that's uh, that it that brings up an, in- an interesting observation in my opinion you know so what you had programmed for me to play uh, was um, technically it was a um, it was a bit difficult and I had to work a bit to get it down and um, and then you said well what you had just mentioned is that I brought something else along with it well you know just being human um, and um, and finally, once I finally got relaxed with my part um, and being able to play it, then things um, uh, things started to come about that uh, I would uh, things with my hands would, would sort of go back to to um, to my natural way of, of playing something, and I would just um, I might add some inflections here or there. And I brought the humanness to it, I guess you could say. But then it's... I, I don't want to simply just um, lay down and have my hands fall where they may um, at random because that's almost going through the piece without being as sensitive to, to uh, or, or as I can. But let me try to explain. As the track is going down... I also want to be aware of what the heck I'm putting down and, and mm-hmm. why I'm putting that down. And um, and that's a constant, I'm, I'm constantly learning and getting better at that, whether it be a drum solo or whether it be what I'm saying um, um, or how I'm uh, interpreting a piece of music. Because... Once it goes down, it's there in print and you can't really take it back unless you, you redo it. But um, the challenge for me is to, um, um, if I, when I bring the humanness in it, is that helping with the music? Is that propelling the music forward or mm-hmm. the, the rhythm forward or not? And, um, and just the idea of, of, let's say, letting your hands do the work and your mind is somewhere else you know you can kind of easily do that. Just throw your sticks down anywhere in time, um, and 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 say something. But it's but but it's only half of what you can really do. The other half is actually play what you want to play, and and um, right. um, in a in a very um, natural way and something which is giving to the music. I hope that doesn't sound too complicated, too. Um, uh, to 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 in depth but it's a it really is a it's a it's a big challenge particularly with a, a a tune which is up in tempo there's a lot of notes going on and um you can quite easily just sort of fall into a place where you're just, where your hands are going, um, simply because you're, you're playing in time and your hands just automatically do stuff, but it's not really saying anything.
0: Right. Well, and when it's challenging, because when it's something technically difficult, it can feel like, geez, I'm getting, I'm playing the part, you know, and, and to step above that means that you have to live with it in an amount of time that you do. And not everybody does that. I, I don't really know, but I know you, so I know that you don't really even start tracking till you feel like you've got the piece at that level, where you're where you're able to step above the technical demands. And because this one, this drum part had such high technical demands, it's that much easier to fall into that thing we were talking about before where you're doing the equivalent of nodding your head. You know, you're, you're there, you're present, but wanting to take it that next step, that's exactly why you were like my only thought for this one. You know, it was well, just,
1: that's because you, really you do you. that.
0: And of course you have that technical ability in the first place. Now I should mention, and I mentioned this on my preview podcast for the whole album um, that I loved what you were doing so much that I said, okay, we need to make a change to the arrangement in the song and we need a drum solo. <laughs> so that's a sign of a, of a happy producer. I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, you know, so we did that. I changed the arrangement around so, so that you could step out. And then for that drum solo, I went back and replayed all of my parts so that they, they, they went with you. Um, it was kind of you know when you record this way, you in Nashville, me and in in on um, you know Delaware or Maryland, depending which studio I'm in. When you re- work that way, y- you know there's a certain amount of what I call ping ponging. You know I hit the ball to you, and you take a look at where I hit it, and then you hit it back in a way that hopefully uh, makes sense musically. And then I, and then after you hit it back, I said. I got to hit all the balls back now because this changes everything. song i it was 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 more than i had hoped for but you know it was wonderful to have an ending like that it was never even in the song before uh and that came right out of um, uh, realizing just how much you had this groove in, uh, in command oh thank and you what, Ken. what you could do with it you know Th- you. then i gave you a completely different kind of a song um called burning bridges which is just rock blues i don't know i to me it's very bluesy that's how i relate to it
1: my tama um those uh, drums that were bought in 1979 oh, which no. i still have um and what made you pull that set
0: out for that purpose
1: they they sound bigger uh mm. and they're they're warmer and they're more of a they're more of a rock. It's more of a rock kit, if you will, and right? Just a right. bigger bass drum, and um, I believe the snare that I used on that was a supraphonic, just a Ludwig supraphonic, and um, um, which is I, th- that snare drum, the Ludwig supraphonic, has been recorded on more recordings, not mine, but that particular mm-hmm. drum is, mm-hmm. I, I believe, is on uh, more recordings uh, than any other snare drum um, made it's um just such a standard yeah it's such a standard um snare drum sounds it just sounds great in every application
0: trimmed down. It's not a production song yeah. like all the other ones right. that you played on. It's just two guitars, both played by me, both of them with different degrees of distortion or overdrive on them, electric bass, and drums with, with a Hammond B3 organ part that comes in and out. And that's it. Yeah. So, it's in some ways, it's much more like some of the trimmed down um, rock and blues things that we've both been involved with throughout our, our musical lives. Um, but yeah, what I remember is that kick drum being very definitive and, and, and when I mixed it, I was, I sure hope you were happy with what I did with it, but I just felt like I needed to make sure that kick drum had its own personality in place in the mix. And you can hear it because there's not a whole lot of stuff going on, you know, it, um, but, uh, um,
1: yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking when I got that song, I was like, "Oh boy, this is great!" So Ken, Ken's <laughs> going to be sending me more, you know, just blues tunes. This is going to be an easy Ken Navarro record, right? It? Right? Shoot, that's
0: I, right. That was the first one. Wasn't it? Do this with one arm yeah. tied
1: behind my back.
0: Yeah, I think I I built my way up to the view from here. Um, <laughs> you know, otherwise, you might not. Yeah, have compl- no, I knew it was. With co- me. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Bruce, I've got a song in 11 here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's talk about the song that um, I'm, I'm noticing is getting a lot of listening uh, listens and streams on, on Spotify and other places and a lot of downloads. And it's surprising to me because it's not one, it, it's actually a song I was concerned people might not ever listen to because it starts off with just my guitar and a string quartet. Uh, it starts. It's called Three Sundays. It starts off with the string quartet, my guitar, as I say, um, and then after about almost two minutes, it becomes a, a jazz a jazz band is introduced to the song. Right. The string quartet goes away, and it becomes you, me, acoustic bass, and acoustic piano, with a a pretty subtle rhythm guitar, right. uh, nylon string finger finger style um, rhythm guitar. This is like a completely different sort of, of, of groove because it's it's swinging, but it's in six eight. So it's it's it, it it can and now I'm trying not to get too technical about it, but you and I both know when you have swing in six eight, it can be very close to four-four. It, right. It's all about it's all about the prism you decide to look at it through. And I purposely was trying to play with that. Um, and in fact, it's very interesting if you if you mute everything but your drums and my acoustic bass, you can't quite tell sometimes is it in four or is it in six?
1: That's right. Oh, you let me you you definitely let me go on those on on, on these songs yeah yeah um, and, and on on this one in particular and um yeah and i really like the um uh, going between six eight and four four just uh, just implying um right. either a, a a straight four four swing or um or a six eight that's fun that's fun to do it takes um yeah. it, it, it's um it's a it's a it's another shelf if you will that you have to step up to while you're playing It's just another area of um of uh of really listening and and staying in because you you can lose the one but it's um it's it's just such a at least for me it just it, it's fun to do it's 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 natural and um and um and 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 i i, I like that very much it's a good um Uh, It's it's a good feeling going back and forth. Um, Yeah,
0: and it sounds seamless, and it sounds very improvisational the way that you approached it. And I wanted to ask you about that. How do you look at, both as a player but also as a composer yourself, how do you look at when you're recording part like that that's got to feel improvisational? And in fact, it is improvisational, but you know all the time that you're recording it. That it's not off in the in the atmosphere; it's actually digitally captured. Yeah. How I mean, do you find yourself having to fight the battle that I sometimes fight of getting too careful because you know that quote unquote red light is on and you know it's being captured, or do you is somehow are you have you found ways to free yourself to kind of continue to have that improvisational spirit? that ultimately is what makes it work
1: the first thing that comes to mind is how is this going to sound with the Mm -hmm. song Mm -hmm. um you know is it is it gonna is it gonna be right um sometimes um it's the right thing to go over the top you know that because that adds that element of drum excitement but but now it's um you know and you don't want to self-edit yourself into a into a you know to where you sound you know it's cardboard and there's nothing exciting about it um but um but there's a there's a i don't know what the right word but there is a bit of i guess the word is to me it's kind of cool there's a bit of coolness that um that i like to have come out in my playing so i'm i'm kind of aware of that um but i do know as well that uh, man, you gotta, you gotta let yourself relax and, and let it go, because uh, if you're not relaxed and don't let it go, uh, it's gonna sound like that on tape. It's gonna it, sound that's um, right. It's gonna sound somewhat, um, um, you know, um, that you've uh, that you've not so much held back, but a, a bit of a stiffness to it. And uh, yeah, you yeah. know, you know, I always I remember what Pete Erskine said years and years and years ago, and he said uh, about his playing. He goes, you know he goes i don't care but i like to hear a little bit of swing in everything that i do you know and he said maybe right. that's why i don't get as called as much as i'd like to but i just like the swing and when he said that that really resonated with me mm-hmm. i kind of like that too and it's um right um, and i think that you can find a little bit of swing in everything you know right, Even right. in country music i mean there actually there's yeah. quite a lot of swing in country music but yeah but uh just having that bit of a that bit of a bounce, to me that's kind of cool, you know. I, and so I, yeah. I I like
0: that. I think you're using the word swing, and I know I think I know what you mean, but I think you're using the word swing to try to describe that in between the cracks stuff. That's yes. like it's it's where the feel is. Yeah, and when you start so- playing tight, you know, that's sometimes people say things like, "Yeah, they were that band was tight." And I'm thinking, all right, yeah, I know what they mean. That band was really together, and everything went flawlessly. And right. But but in a way, t- being tight is like not a good thing for a rhythm section. And I think that's what Peter Erskine was referring to. I like a little bit of swing. Yeah. And maybe that's why I don't get called quite as much, because I'm not going to lock it up. Right. I'm going to have a certain element of it. And I think what you're saying is I'm... That's what keeps me feeling like it's fresh, because I allow that to be in there. That's right. Even even when I'm a little, you know, cautious about a part, because you know, I, when you're recording, every little thing is noticeable. Uh, I I'm sure you had the experience maybe early on. I know that I did early on recording, when you hear yourself for the first few times you're sort of struck by the detail that's been captured <laughs> and what you were getting away with, you know, before somebody put a microphone right next to it. Right. You know? um, yes. So, but no, I, 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 that's interesting to hear because that, that, that balancing act of being loose or letting it swing is, is the balancing act is that and then of course all the details that are going by that you have to pay attention to all the all the all the stop all the bus stops you have to make (laughs) while you're while you're being creative you know all the things that have to happen oh that accent there oh ken's gonna hit that in his solo i gotta i want to bring that out you know um but uh that that is something that uh your abilities as a composer and your interest in music be way beyond just drums is the other thing that i think sh- makes you so valuable on somebody else's project because you bring all of that to the table as well um and i think that's why you try to to keep the swing in there too because you know that's where that's where the real magic is
1: i was listening to rock and the and the music of the day with all my friends but when mm-hmm. i got back home it was all jazz <laughs> my parents yeah. would just be you know it would they were just such jazz enthusiasts
0: talk about your dad a little bit and how how he influenced your music and just your just to this day I think he still has an influence on oh yeah. on your you you know your take talk about him a little bit yeah what did he well, do? my
1: father he's been gone for quite a while now but he um, was uh, a jazz enthusiast um, way boy, he was born in 1918, and and when he was 16, 15, 16 years old, he would tell me, um, growing up in um, in England, he uh, he had a crystal radio kit, and he would hear, um, uh, he would listen to American jazz music, and he would uh, always reference Count Basie, of course, and he would tell, he would say, Bruce, you know, I would be listening to Basie. You Know every tub, and I was just 16 years old. Every tub is one of Basie's early tunes, right. and um, yeah. and uh, it's a great tune. And then he's and then he would say, and then all of a sudden there would be an interruption, and I would hear this uh, um, this, this man talking in this very stern German voice, you know, right, <laughs> and he would be picking up, um you know of course Nazi Germany at the time Whoa, Hitler early wow. right before you know a few years before the war right, uh, right. And, oh, and so he would always give me a little bit of of uh, of history background. a background <laughs> uh, as well as the jazz but um, yeah. no he my father was um um, a jazz enthusiast who followed uh, Basie, um, who uh, he, he wrote um, Jack Teagarden's um, biography um, wow. and um, just loved jazz and, and pretty much um, forced it on me at a very young age. I was beaten over the head with, <laughs> uh, with, a, with just nothing but just great jazz that I took wow. for granted at the time. You know, right, I completely right. took it all for granted but um no I affor- I was four five too. six years old playing you know down um uh, yeah. you know he would have a jazz record on and I'd be playing drums to it and so mm-hmm. it just became swing just became uh, uh inherent and then you know I I took it all for granted I just I took the 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 fact that I could swing um I, I took that for granted uh all um for quite some time, you know, if 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 I can't, um, while you're saying that, I just wanna, I wanna give you, a, uh, I just wanna give you some a, a compliment here. One, you know, when when you sent this record, the CD to me, which was very nice, signed. Um, I, I got it in the mail, and the first thing I looked at it, the first thing that hit me, and, and I don't care, you know, I'm a, I'm a. Um, um, it doesn't, but but it, it, love is everywhere, mm-hmm. and you know, Ken. To me, that just the, uh, I, I was just I was I was really happy to see that, and, and I, and, man, that's I think that's just. Well, man, you you made this the 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 title of your record, and um, I I just think we need more. Uh, <laughs> it would be nice if there was more of this. Just putting that out there, love is everywhere. I mean, that's such a nice thing to say, Ken. I don't care what anyone uh, might think. It's, a, it's completely positive, which is what you've been and you've put in your music. All the records that you have um, um, are, are just, they are positive. You've really lived and you're living what you say. You know, I, I gotta um, and then when I and and then when I opened this up, uh, it, it brought a little bit of a tear to my eye, and I, I was so uh I was so grateful, and I I know I texted you this, but I'll say it again, to to just have your name there, and I'm the only other musician on this record. That's right. And That's exactly that right. um that to me is uh well I mean it it yeah it brought a tear to my eye, and I'm I'm so grateful, I, I'm truly humbled, but um. You know the the other thing is as far as learning and growing as a person, boy oh boy, uh, some of the talks that we've had have been uh, so meaningful to me. Um, I I I truly feel that you're a genius. I, I really do. There's just so much that I um, that um, that I, when I when I say I wow, Ken Ken did this. and Wow, Ken does it, and the music that he writes and um, and it just keeps coming out and keeps coming out. It's just so beautiful, and it's so positive, and it's so good. Um, I'm. Uh, you have been such a. Um, you have been. You have taught me so much, really, uh, really have. Um, I, I can't. Um, I'm. I'm so grateful to you, Ken. I, I so thank that's you. That's
0: humbling to me to hear that from you, somebody who I respect on many levels. T- tell us about a little bit about the the studio uh, that you. I think recently completed oh yeah
1: that's that's completed um and um and i've been actually doing some recording in there uh with the owner of that studio because he likes what i do um geez talk about snare drum sounds we must have spent (laughs) a day uh with me going through all sorts of stuff with him and you know putting duct tape and wallets and all kinds of so he can get his particular snare drum sound anyway right. um but and yeah his,
0: and tell us his name
1: too that's shy carter right. um uh, right. quite um he's he's doing quite well um down here in nashville he's written some um some big songs uh he did charlie um, charlie pooth's uh biggest um uh, hit song I, I i can't remember the name of that but he's he's well in the mix shy is uh and he's extremely talented singer and songwriter um and And did he
0: know who you were as a musician before he hired you to do the studio no he didn't did he learn he learned that after the fact that's correct yeah
1: i just kind (laughs) of kept my mouth shut and then when the drums came in i i sort of sat down behind him and he you know I, i i i did that there was um
0: I wish I had been a fly on the wall for that. Because this guy's going, I mean, his whole way of identifying with you is, is this master builder who's he's entrusted to put this state-of-the-art recording studio together. Then you sit behind the drums. I would have just loved him in a fly on the wall for that. And then he finds out the full picture.
1: Hey, that's all, all of that's okay. You know, there was a time in my life, Ken, where it would be very uh, upsetting. uh, If I can be so honest, it would be very upsetting to me. And I had a bit of an ax to grind, you know, why do I have to do this? And why can't I just be Mm -hmm. playing drums? You know, but it occurred to me or, you know, over the years, it's like, you know, you, you learn a lot about life in, um, uh, in, in, um, uh, with having to do, um, Certain things, and you know, uh, um, having having things come in in and out of your life, um, it is just life, and and you can bring that to your music. You can become such a better player and a musician and a person if you um, um, if you have less expectations, I'll say, of what your Mm -hmm. life should be, and just Mm -hmm. let it um, um, just let it evolve. um, Live in the moment. And, uh, you know, I guess be kind to yourself and to others, you know, and well, you're you're doing it and it's paying off in spades.
0: And and I think what you said there about less less expectations, ironically, the less expectations, certainly for you, turned into bigger expectations, things that you you weren't trying to make happen, happened, you know, and and um, that's that's. Maybe the the real trick, you know, is is when you really let go, like you're talking about. That's when the possibility of those other things
1: happening is is allowed. It's like you allowed them to open up to you. That's exact. That's exactly right, Ken. That's exactly right.
0: That was my conversation with the great drummer, Bruce Guttridge. So everybody, thanks again for joining me on my podcast. I'm gonna do another one pretty soon. And for now, I'm gonna leave you with some information about my latest album, my 27th, Love Is Everywhere. You can get autographed CDs exclusively at my website, www.kennavarro.com. You can hear my music at Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, iTunes, all the usual places. So thanks again for listening to my music and supporting my music. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon.